Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. I really have enjoyed over the years going to Hillsborough Hops baseball games, and especially now that uh, they have been elevated in their classification in minor league baseball. K.L. Wambacher, he is the president of the Hillsborough Hops. He's the general manager of the Hillsborough Hops. He is there on game days, walking around. I think he's probably caught a thousand foul balls. I've never caught one, so he's, he is kind of greedy. He's joining us now. K.L. Wambacher, how are you doing? I'm doing great, John. I, I just give the ball to a kid, though. <laughs> <laughs> am I going to look bad? Because I am going to get one out of your stadium, and there's going to be a bunch of kids around me, and I'm going to keep it for myself. Am I going to look bad in that scenario? Do I bring a spare ball and switch them you know, out of my back pocket? What do I do? You might want to bring a spare, because if you don't, that's ending up on Twitter for sure, and you're going to get roasted. <laughs> the last time I was there, uh, we had a sitter, so we had to leave early. And Anna and I went out to the parking lot, and it was about the eighth inning of the game. We had to leave. And I hear the crack of the bat, and I look up, and I see a ball coming, Kale. It's coming into the parking lot. There's nobody else in the parking lot. The ball lands about 15 yards from me, takes a bounce over the uh, middle strip, the median with the bushes, and it, it bounces up against a Tesla. And I start to hustle over to pick it up. This is going to be my moment. And there's a guy in the Tesla, and he opens the door and reaches down and grabs the ball. And <laughs> it was just like, nope. <laughs> Just a tease. Bad he moment. was probably just there to charge his car, too. Didn't even buy a ticket. I know. Uh, KL, let me ask you this. Uh, you guys are you're building an empire. You're building a, uh, you know, a cathedral to baseball in Hillsborough. I, we've all heard about it, but I want to hear about it from you. Give us an idea. The genesis of this, what brought this to fruition? Why, why is this even a, a thing or a dream? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, when we committed to being part of Major League Baseball's new professional development league back in 2020, along with the other 119 teams that committed to this, we had to commit to the new facility standard. Um, at the time, we thought that we'd be able to renovate the existing stadium. And, you know, we, we don't have a visiting clubhouse. We don't have weight rooms. We don't have female uh, locker rooms. We don't have eating spaces for players. So it's, it's a, it's a pretty significant upgrade that we, that we're required to do probably in the neighborhood of 40,000 square feet of new space. Um, we did a feasibility study, and, we, and, I, and again, we thought we could renovate. We hired a design-build contractor. We got into design. We were at 10% design, and it was, I mean, it was $160 million. And, you know, some people are like, well, not to just do the player development spaces. True. But for us to, to be able to pay for the player development spaces, we need new revenue sources. So it's, so it's kind of an all or nothing. And so we need you know, new spaces that we can sell, new group spaces, some premium seats. We can generate the revenue to pay the debt on the player spaces. So um, because it was so complicated, we're attached to the football stadium. There's Century Boulevard that kind of landlocks us, and there's a huge water line running through the parking lot. We just took a step back. We zoomed out and talked to the city and said, you know, what do you think about right across the parking lot? Um, there's, there's a couple of softball fields. We could relocate those softball fields. Softball fields are much less expensive to build than a, a major league quality stadium. Um, and if we build a new stadium, then Parks and Rec gets Ron Tonkin Field exclusive use. So it's a it's a tremendous amount of use for the community for, for Ron Tonkin Field. 
And so we did a study on that and it was actually between 30 and $40 million less to build new than it was to renovate because of less site constraints. So at that point it was like, all right, that's a, this is a no brainer. So we switched to the design team back in December and, and had them just working on what that would look like, had Mortensen do some cost estimating along the way to, to make sure we were on the right track. Um, and then we were finally able to get everything switched over and get approvals. Uh, I think it was in March, uh, right before we made the announcement. So um, we were we were pumped to renovate, but when we were able to switch it to a new build, I mean, it was a game changer because now we can orient it correctly to where we don't have the sun issue on the third base side. We can We can really design it to be the best player development experience in baseball. We can design our food and beverage operation from the ground up so we can have a much, much better and cleaner food and beverage operation and, and everything else that we can do along the way. We're talking about 6,000 capacity, major league feel. Give me an idea because when, when I hear that or when I say that out loud, I start to think, like, you know, is it possible Hillsborough could move up in classification with that kind of stadium? Is it possible one day you could uh, entertain an exhibition game for a major league team? Could the Mariners come down and play a game uh, – you know, uh, some possibilities there. Could Major League, could you, uh, does it have the ability to expand? Could you bring Major League Baseball to Hillsborough someday, 20 years from now or whenever? Um, but are those kinds of thoughts on your mind as you see this stadium and you talk through this project? Absolutely. I mean, I think this is, this is the one opportunity we have to really try to future-proof the venue uh, to the best of our ability with the knowledge we have now. So we have had conversations with the Diamondbacks about doing a spring training game up here. They're very open to it. Um, it it's, it's been done before with, with major league teams coming to Portland. Um, natural fit with the Mariners as well regionally. Uh, the way the new player development system works with major league baseball, they determine what level you're at. So when they moved us to high A from short season A, we didn't really have a choice in the matter. They didn't, they didn't, you know, they didn't give us a multiple choice uh, question that we could answer. So um, th they do have the ability to reclassify things again and, you know, create a West Coast double A. I don't know if that'll happen, but it, it, it's now possible with the new system or, or move us to triple A or move us down to low A, which is probably not realistic, but um, definitely possible. So trying to feature-proof the venue as much as we can but what, what's helpful is the new standards with Major League Baseball unifies everything. So it used to be you'd have different standards for AAA than single A. Now the facility standards are the same no matter what level you're playing at. And I think Major League Baseball did that. So if they do need to move teams, classifications, the facilities will all line up. So as we're de developing all the player spaces, we want to have the best batting cages, the best weight room, the best clubhouses, the best umpire experience and even building the umpire experience to where we could have four or six umpires in there rather than just the two that we have in our league. That way we can make a run for the Pac-12 postseason tournament um, and compete for that. We could bring spring training games up here. We could do, you know, maybe international exhibition games with bringing a team from Mexico or Dominican Republic, uh, big time events like that, that we'll have the facility to, to do. Kale Wambacher with us, president and general manager of the Hillsboro Hops. Um, you guys are going to open your home season at Ron Tonkin Field tomorrow. Tickets are available at hillsboroughhops.com. I'll get to the baseball in a second, but uh, I want to ask about just the city of Hillsboro because I know that one of the frustrations with some cities, not going to name names, is that you know they have a hard time getting things done. It feels like in Hillsboro there is, uh, with the city council and the mayor and the citizens there, there is some initiative 
uh, and and it's business friendly. I mean, you just see the growth that's happening out there. Yeah, I mean, just in the 11 years I've lived here now, it, it's amazing to watch the growth happen just right around us. I mean, Top Golf coming in, a lot of the new semiconductor expansions and new businesses coming to town. Brookwood used to be empty, and now it's full of these massive buildings that are employing tens of tens of hundreds or hundreds of people, thousands of people. So the the expansion in Hillsborough has been incredible to watch. I think I think the city has kind of come closer to the metro too. When we first moved here, people would be like, "Oh, it's way out in Hillsborough." We don't hear that "way out" term anymore. We just hear, "Oh, it's in Hillsborough." So I think I think hopefully we've been part of that of of bringing Hillsborough into the metro and making it feel closer. But um, working with the city is is awesome. They, you know, we've talked to other cities over the years. I mean, we, we wanted to make sure that whatever investment we make now is a 30, 40, 50 year investment. So we want to make sure that it's the right location in the right city with the right infrastructure. Um, I think the best thing Hillsborough does is they're good at looking at what they have now, but they're good at visioning what they want to be and look like in the future and and taking the steps and taking the risks now to set themselves up for 10, 20, 30 years down the line. And to me, that's really what what separates them is they they have that they have that vision, but they're not afraid to take risks and 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 work with private business partners to make those investments now to realize the potential later. People are killing me because I said the season, the home season opens. I meant June. Uh, you have a homestand opening tomorrow against Spokane. you got a big homestand with six games in a row. Uh, I love seeing games at the stadium. Kids are running bases this weekend against Spokane. You're having some celebrations going on. But uh, give us an idea. What's going on at the ballpark? How full are you? What does the baseball look like to you? Uh, the season's been great so far. We're up. We're, we're up considerably in attendance from, from last year. It's only the second year we've ever played in April and May, so I, I think there still is a, a learning curve of, of us starting in April. Um, April was okay. It was pretty cold, so we, had, yeah. we didn't have some great crowds in April, but May, has been, May was beautiful. So um, we had plenty of nights where, where the place was full, especially on the weekends um, when kids are out of school. And, then, and now as we get into June, the crowds just get better and better. You know, the baseball has been great. It, it, it's been up and down as far as the record goes, but it's a team they, they fight every night. Uh, we've had, we had some great come from behind wins in Everett this last week. Uh, we have a kid at first base, Ivan Melendez, who was the second-round pick last year out of Texas, Golden Spikes winner. I mean, he's he can rake, he, and, and he's really started to hit the ball well. Um, we've had really good pitching. So it's, it's been a fun team. Um, center fielder Patino, who's, who's fast as heck. It's, it's really fun to watch him play in the outfield and, and, and run the base pass. So it's a fun team. It's a good brand of baseball. Ronnie Gajanic, our manager, has been doing a tremendous job along with the coaching staff. So um, um, the, baseball, the baseball hasn't let us down. It's been fun. KL, the, you know, I was talking in the opening segment about just baseball in general in the Pacific Northwest. I don't think there's anybody more qualified to really talk about it, but I think Oregon State's success, they've raised the bar, they've raised the expectations, so when they go to a regional and they get eliminated, even against LSU, people are disappointed. Uh, Oregon getting out of the regional, heck, I don't think Oregon brings back their program if Oregon State wasn't so successful uh, in winning multiple national championships. University of Portland's playing great baseball. I know you hosted some of these games, but can you speak to just the health of the college baseball scene, the high school baseball scene in the region? Well, 
I think you're right, John. I think we have to give a ton of credit to Oregon State and, and the success they had in the 2000s, winning a couple of college world series, two or three college world series, whatever it was. We actually had some players that played for us in Yakima that were on those teams too. So we were we were somewhat familiar with the program even even when our team was in Washington. Um, I mean, they they showed it can work. They showed that you know with with the right facilities, the right recruiting, the right coaching you can develop a winner in the Northwest and, and, it, and it allowed Oregon to make investments in their program. And then you have more D one programs um, that kind of push each other and push the su- success of each other. That's going to help your am- your other amateur programs, like your high school programs. And it, and it filters all the way down to the youth level. I mean, we see kids coming to our games wearing Beavers hats and Beavers t-shirts, you know, so they're, wh- while we don't have an MLB team here, you know, they're cheering for their college teams, which creates that inspiration to play baseball. So um, I think it all it all filters right back to the, to the Beavers and the success they had in the 2000s. Is that something you want to do, like, you know, especially with an expanded uh, new stadium? Uh, you know, do you become a place that would love to host University of Portland, Oregon, University of Portland, Oregon State, Oregon, Oregon State games? Uh, you know, how, how creative can you get with that new facility? Big time. Big time. We, we want this to be the place for baseball. So, I mean, we're going to do, you know, we have a major concert promoter we're, we're working with that where we can do some real significant life scale concerts. So that's a part of the business as well with the new ballpark. But um, a lot of it really does come down to baseball. So from the from the youth level up, we're programming our batting cages to where they have an outside entrance and we can open those up for youth to use in the off season for free. Uh, being able to bring Little League opening days and hosting them at our at the ballpark, uh, doing games, tournaments, um, trying to work with as many high school programs as we can to play at least one game there a season. Um, and then with the college level, being able to expand what we've done already with UP, Oregon, and Oregon State, and maybe doing, you know, we, we've even had some brief conversations with Nike about almost like a PK-80 event with, with from a baseball perspective. Um, I mean, We've always said when we started this process, the best venues get the best events. And if we have the best baseball venue, one of the best baseball venues in the country, we're going to get the best baseball events coming coming here. And that's that's really a driving force for us. It's really exciting. Uh, you know, I'm excited to see what it turns out to be. Um, you know, and obviously as uh, Hillsboro grows in footprint, I was just out there at Top Golf over the weekend, and I was looking around, going, there is there's still a lot of room for growth. Uh, and a lot of, uh, and I can just see the opportunity in Hillsboro. KL, thank you for coming on. For people who want to grab tickets, hillsboroughhops.com. I will see you at the ballpark, KL. Yes, outstanding, John. I look forward to seeing you. Thanks so much for having me on. You bet. KL Wambacher, there he is, president and general manager of the Hillsboro Hops. Their season uh, well underway, but they uh, have a homestand opening tomorrow. Uh, six games, all at home, no days off. Um, good weather. Uh, this is the time to get out and see a ball game and catch a foul ball. I want you to leave it here. Our big splash is coming up. Mark Wazikowski, the Oregon baseball coach, just texted, texted me. He's on the ground early. They're on a layover in Denver. He's going to be joining the show in 15 minutes uh, to talk to us uh, as they are making the trip back, heading back to Eugene, where they are presumed to be playing and hosting in a super regional this weekend. We'll let you know as soon as that is all out. Uh, that's not our big splash because you already know about that. Our big splash, we bring it to you every day on the program in this segment. Here we go. This is 
The one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. Must be the Big Splash. Well, the NFL is investigating an Indianapolis Colts player for possible violations of the league's gambling policy. The team acknowledged the inquiry today, saying in a statement, quote, we're aware of the NFL's investigation and they have no further comment at this time. The news re- came out after a report by a, a wagering site called SportsHandle.com cited an investigation into a Colts player's pervasive betting including wagers placed on his own team. The player was not named in the report. Team officials did not reveal his identity. An NFL spokesperson was asked uh, for a comment and said nothing to add. The Indiana Gaming Commission has confirmed that they did receive information pertaining to the matter. They're not the lead agency. But remember, in April, the NFL suspended five players, including four from the Detroit Lions, for gambling policy violations. Um, uh, also, a Washington Commanders uh, defensive end, Shaka Tony, was suspended. Um, last year, Atlanta Falcons receiver Calvin Ridley got suspended for the entire 2022 season for betting on NFL games. He was then traded to Jacksonville at the trade deadline. He's been reinstated uh, this spring. The NFL is in an interesting position, isn't it? It has widely embraced sports wagering. Heck, the sports industry in general has embraced sports wagering the revenue streams that are coming from sports wagering are awfully interesting to major league baseball the nfl hell the pac-12 interested in sports data and how they could monetize their their data for uh, potential gambling entities now the nfl and others have widely embraced this stuff but simultaneously they have uh, said hey no, no, no. we're all about it but we can't have our players being all about it and i understand why Players are prohibited from placing bets while at NFL facilities, and they are explicitly prohibited from betting on NFL games. It's interesting that you can go into NFL facilities as a fan and see lots of signage and sponsorships, and you can hear players promoting FanDuel and DraftKings and fantasy sports leagues, and you can watch games and every other commercial, it seems, is about cryptocurrency or fantasy football. But don't you dare wager on a game. I got a problem if a player is wagering on a game they're involved in. I actually agree with the NFL that players should not be betting on NFL games if they're part of the NFL. But is any of this surprising to anybody? Stephen, surprised at all that the NFL is having the same kinds of problems that regular folks have when it comes to gambling? I'm not surprised. Not surprised. And I mean, before you know, sports betting was really relevant, and all these leagues you know started getting in business with them. It's not as if these guys weren't gambling before. Whether they're playing cards in the locker room or they're, you know, shooting dice, they're doing stuff in the locker room, they're making bets. They're competitive guys. Like that's what they're gonna do. Guys are gonna compete. And I think this was happening before, but now it's so easy to access betting right on your phone. And everything is on your phone right now. We just don't think about it. And if you're a professional athlete, you're an NFL player, you just don't think about like, you know what, if I sign up for this, they know exactly where I am. They got the geolocation on. They need to make sure I'm in the state that I'm at where I'm making these bets. So you, know, you just don't think about it, and so it's not surprising to me um, that it's happening. The surprising part to me, John, was the fact that the player hasn't been named yet, and that makes me think it might be a prominent player. And what the Colts do in that situation, I don't know what it is, who it would be, but if it's a really good player, 
I wonder what the Colts are going to do if they're going to release him, if they're going to suspend him. Because you look at the Lions situation, Jameson Williams is really the only player that you know had any name to him. He got suspended. They're not going to cut him. Everyone else basically can get rid of Calvin Ridley. They got rid of him right away. If it's a good player on the Colts, are they going to get rid of him or are they going to keep him? I find that very fascinating, and I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah, and and here's the thing. I As I looked at ESPN.com, and tell me if you have this experience, the when you look at the ESPN homepage and you look at this story, just bring up the homepage, ESPN.com. I hate to give them the click, but let's give them the click. And when you look in that column and you see the headlines for today, tell me what you see as the top headlines, and then tell me as you read the story what you see. Because I believe that player is going to end up being Isaiah Rogers based on the headline that ESPN forgot to update on the main page, sort of the, uh, the initial headline. Do you see what I see? I don't see what you're seeing. What, okay. What am I missing when you here? look at when I look at ESPN.com, oh, yeah. it does say Rogers. Rogers yeah. is in the headline that is on the front page, but it's not the actual headline of the piece. Yeah, and then you click, believe, you click on it, it says NFL investigating Colts player for possible betting. I believe that player is going to be Isaiah Rogers, senior, who is a defensive back, four years into the league, and uh, you know I think that that is going to end up being the player, and I think ESPN knows it and then backed off of it and maybe even changed the headline before publishing. But unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Uh, they did not change the headline on the main page, so I think they gave away the identity of the player. So um, I don't know what to make of all of this other than we're in an era. Like, I think kids who are growing up today, like my 20-year-old who's in college, knows everywhere she goes there are cameras. She knows how to handle herself on social media better than, I think, people that are my age or older. She just she just knows how to deal with the trolls. She knows how to you know you know this is they've grown up in this stuff, and they've grown up being uh, you know knowing that there are cameras everywhere they go. I think it's really interesting to watch sort of the, I guess the normalization or the advances that have been made in sports wagering, and watch some of the grown-ups struggle to understand that when you create account an account on a legal sports wagering site and you use your identity, your driver's license, your social security number to set up the account, I think you're foolish if you don't realize that the entities are sharing this information with the regulation uh, operations, like the state gambling entities, the uh, Gambling Commission in Nevada and Philadelphia and Oregon and other places, they're all sharing information with these third parties who are uh, essentially there to make sure there's no irregularities. And I think that we're watching some people get caught in that who are not thinking because I think some of this is new. It's new to me. I don't know if it's new to you, Stephen, because I think you were using other ways to place, you know, manners to place bets before. Allegedly. but it, Allegedly, but you're not. You're not typical, I think, of like an NFL player who's in the league and suddenly has some money to play with. Yeah, no, not at all. And, you know, I don't have the type of money they have. I don't have the clout that they do. So, um, you know, I'm not necessarily worried as much as they should be about it. And I think that if these these kind of things, you know, they keep happening and it keeps happening over and over, if it doesn't become a wake-up call for these athletes, I don't know what it is because – if they're if you're being suspended, you're losing money not only from losing bets, but now you're losing money for your job. I think that's got to change somehow. 
Yeah, and I think we're going to watch professional athletes. This will obviously happen less and less frequently. But I think what we're having right now is a reckoning. Again, we had a minor, minor league baseball player who came on the show, placed college football wagers during the pandemic, and he was banned from baseball for wagering. And he didn't know. He said, I didn't know I couldn't wager. Well, you know now. And I think a generation of players that are coming along five to ten years from now will all have grown up in it and understand, hey, you know, that's a no-no. You can't do that. But I do think you're seeing some guys who either didn't know or didn't think about it or didn't think they'd get caught, obviously, because it's just foolish. What Calvin Ridley did is dumb. What the Detroit Lions players did, it's stupid. It's foolish. Like, you know, they gave up far more than they could ever gain placing a wager. Mark we interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry Truth to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.